the Roman Catholic Church is in many ways in the present world an ally even to conservative Protestants who may have lots of debates with Catholics about justification and imputation and the sacraments, things like transubstantiation or baptismal regeneration and so on. But the world sees us as all on the same team. Mm And this is going to mean things for us. I think the cultural pressure that already exists is now going to be seriously increased. Welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. In each episode, we strive to apply Reformed theology to life and ministry in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us for this week's conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of 2024 here at Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And we should maybe just start by saying welcome to the new year, and we're looking forward to all that is to come, not that we have any real serious set plans for mm-hmm. 2024, 24 as far as this podcast goes, uh, but we uh, we have always enjoyed it, and we look forward to continuing on into, into the new year as the Lord wills, and so, yeah, Mark, how was, uh, how was Christmas for you? How was the new year? Were you able to do anything fun or see any family or anything like that? It was a good Christmas season, our family, you know, I have four children, and uh, so that makes Christmas a lot of fun in our home. <laughs> it was oh, a strange day for me. On Christmas Day, I woke up at 5 a.m. with a migraine, and so oh. that was not great. It wasn't the most enjoyable present opening time mm. for me, as I could hardly see my children <laughs> because of my migraine. That, oh, yikes. <clears throat> that was impacting my vision, but um, it was a strange morning. I went back to sleep, and I woke up about an hour before church started and um, was Mm. able to stumble through the Christmas morning service. But but overall, it was a good, a blessed day. And uh, my wife's sister from Vancouver came with her husband and two children for a Mm. week. And so I took a week off and we went to see the sequoia trees and went rock climbing and did some really fun stuff over Mm. the past week. So how about you? Yeah, uh yeah. I did not get sick, thankfully. Uh, although I was a little bit sick before, uh, so I didn't. But I didn't have any migraine issues. Uh, I I was basically recovered from a cold that I had right before Christmas, and so I was able to go and see my wife's family, who lives here in our area, here close to Ripon, in the city of Modesto. And then I got to go down and see my family the day after Christmas, uh, the next couple of days after Christmas, I should say, and then. We did New Year's uh, also with my wife's siblings. Um, And so, yeah, it was a really fun time. It was uh, good seeing everyone and especially to see my family who I don't see very often. That was really fun seeing my brothers and sisters and their kids. And I actually just heard the news that my brother and his wife are now pregnant as well. And so uh, that's exciting that our son will be uh, having some cousins that are close to his age on both sides. So yeah, good things all around. It was a fun and refreshing time, but I'm glad to be back into the normal routine. Uh, But one thing that definitely has threatened to throw off the Christmas (laughs) routine uh, that many of our listeners may have heard about already is this new document or declaration that came out of the Vatican exactly a week before Christmas. Uh, 
Fiducia supplicans. Yeah, Fiducia supplicans. I'm sure my Latin pronunciation is incorrect. Uh, There may be someone to correct me, but uh, this is a document, maybe just to try to explain it in a brief nutshell, that gives a a teaching on what it calls the pastoral meaning of blessings. Uh, Now, as Protestants, we don't think, I don't think, a whole lot, a whole deeply, very deeply about blessings. We, of course, in the Christian Reformed Church do use blessings, uh, typically at the beginning of a Sunday service or at the end of the Sunday service, uh, where we give a blessing from God, uh, almost always comes directly from the scriptures, whether that's number six or whether that's uh, a famous blessing from the New Testament, typically from the greeting or from the uh, farewell at the end of Paul's letters. Mm -hmm. And so we use blessings, but I don't think we think, at least not for me, I don't think I've thought very deeply about the teaching of blessings. And this document is not just about blessings, but it's about how and when and why a Roman Catholic priest may give a priestly blessing to people who are in what it calls irregular situations, couples in irregular situations, including same-sex couples. And so that may raise some eyebrows, but in short, this document does give some uh, freedom for Roman Catholic priests to do, with certain conditions, blessings of same-sex couples. It goes into a lot of great detail about how this is not to be confused with a, a the sacrament of marriage. Of course, for Roman Catholics, they believe that the marriage service is a sacrament or that the status of marriage is a sacrament. And so it wants to try to, to walk a line that says we're not changing our teaching. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. And yet we, we think that there are ways and times and places when a priest may give a sort of informal, uh, non-sacramental sort of blessing to those who are in a, quote, irregular union. And so it's an interesting document. It's really not all that long. You can look it up on Google and find it on the Vatican's website and read it for yourself. Uh, Which we recommend. I mean, whenever dealing with anything like this, go to the source instead of just reading commentary about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Check it out for yourself. fiducia supplicans and and give it a look yeah so it, it's it's got an opening section and then it has 45 different i, I guess you could say parts to it or um 40 it has it's listed out with numbers 45 you almost might say theses uh if you're going to be a sly protestant um make <laughs> that funny joke uh but it's it's trying to give in some ways a a biblical theology of what blessings are and can be used for and have been used for in the scriptures. Uh, And then it goes into how and when a priest may bless a same-sex couple, uh, which it does exactly use that language, which I think will come into our discussion here in this episode of couple. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't just say same-sex attracted persons, uh, but it talks about couples. And so, uh, this last Sunday, I preached on Hebrews chapters 11 and 12 uh, and talked about the need for Christians in the next year to uh, to continue to be strong and to have faith and be bold and courageous in their faith. And I talked about how this 
coming at the end of 2023 was not something that I think bodes well for 2024 and the years beyond. Uh, and one thing I, I mentioned in the sermon was that immediately after this was published from the Vatican, Father James Martin, who's sort of a controversialist priest in the Catholic Church, who was uh, very clearly in favor of uh, being open and affirming in the Catholic Church, uh, he went out and had the New York Times take photos of him conducting one of these sort of informal quote-unquote blessings uh, of a same-sex couple. Uh, And I think in the eyes of the world, this is going to be seen as a legitimation of the Roman Catholic Church of same-sex marriages. Uh, The document itself is clear that this is not what it's trying to do, but I I think that maybe what, what we'll get to in this episode is that in many ways, this was simply unwise mm-hmm. and maybe not well put. And I think it, in some ways it throws more, uh, it throws a lack of clarity on a situation that was already needing clarity. Uh, the Pope has been famous for his sort of controversial statements and his his ways of saying things that sort of ruffle people's feathers. Uh, and this was actually the sort of background to this is some of the cardinals of the Roman Catholic Church asking for clarification. Mm-hmm. And here we have this document that in some ways, I would argue, uh, doesn't help in terms of clarity. In some ways, it makes it more difficult. Yeah, maybe a couple umbrella comments before we get into a little bit more of the substance of the document itself. I would say um, the Christian should want all of our neighbors to be blessed. Hmm. So sometimes, uh, or maybe in some responses to this document, um, there could be a more of a, a pharisaical um, older brother in the prodigal son story where um, sinfully somebody would read a document like this and say, no, those people don't get to be blessed. Mm-hmm. It's the Christian, <laughs> uh, the document, um, one of its benefits is to encourage a, a, a desire to bless our neighbors, mm-hmm. which is, it's true. We, we hope that our neighbors are blessed with faith in Jesus, with repentance that leads to life, um, with a, a, a holy life, um, mm-hmm. and, and even, even blessed in, in other ways too, like even thinking of uh, people who I know are atheists. I hope the Lord blesses them with faith and and with a a good year ahead and so forth um and and so i think one of the bad reactions to something like this is to be very um miserly in who gets blessed and who doesn't in the church so that's something that we would just want to start with kind of reacting against and saying no no we do hope that the lord blesses every person with his grace with um with salvation with faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one umbrella comment, I guess, that, that I hope uh, I hope that people wouldn't listen to an, a podcast episode like this and hear us sounding like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. You know, we're the people who are the insiders and those other people don't get God's grace. No, that's mm-hmm. not what, what we're going to argue, I hope, at any point. I don't think we will. Um, but it, it's helpful, I think, just to be explicit about that. We, we desire that each person that we know is blessed with salvation through Christ, with faith in him, with repentance unto life. So, yeah, I think that's a really good good point to start out with so that we we don't seem, as you said, miserly. We don't we don't want to appear that way. And if, in fact, I think that that's mentioned in yeah. 
in fiducia supplicans that there's not a desire to do what it calls uh, exhaustive moral uh, sort of investigation, mm-hmm. trying to figure out whether or not particular persons are uh, sort of qualified for being blessed. In some sense, every blessing ever given has been given to a sinner. <laughs> We're all sinners, and we all need to be blessed. And so uh, I think that's something we can say that we appreciate from the document. And there actually are several things that I, I appreciate from mm-hmm. reading it. Uh, it caused me to think more deeply about the theology of blessings, not something, again, that I've thought too much about, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do blessings in our in our church services, and so I have thought about them, and I do appreciate them, and I think that that's, it's a great practice to do. Uh, well, but, an example of one of those blessings comes after the prayer of confession. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have prayed this prayer with faith, in integrity, yeah. with faith in Christ, yeah. uh, honestly turning from your sin, here now is a blessing for you. Yeah. You know, the Lord forgives your sin. You're forgiven. You have life. Yeah, that's, that's one of the most Christ. exciting parts of Sundays for me is hearing that that the Lord has forgiven me and continues to forgive me and to reshape me and sanctify me into Christ's image. That That is an exciting thing. I, my, my old pastor once told me, Zach, whenever you give an assurance, you should do so with a smile on your face, mm, yeah, which great. I'm not sure that I do, but I think that that's a good point. Yeah. That is an exciting thing that God does forgive. And so that's yeah. something I can just simply say at the outset here is that I appreciate this this uh, declaration just for making me think more deeply about that. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it would be good to get into, Mark, a little bit of why we we even think an episode on this yeah. is necessary. Here we are, two Reformed pastors, not Roman Catholics. Uh, With our own issues in our denomination. What do we care? <laughs> yeah, our own denomination. We you, One could argue is that we, we need to take out the log in our eye before we point out the speck here uh, in the Catholic Church. What do we care, Mark? What are your, what are your thoughts on why we, we should even be doing an episode on this issue? Well, I hope it's out of love. I, I hope it's out of love for not just listeners, but uh, 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices in the truth. And so mm-hmm. um, we've want we, we we've seen that there's been a development here in the Roman Catholic Church, very influential, of course, throughout the whole world. And um, it's, it's a loving thing to respond, I think, with adding clarity to this confusion that's being created through the mm-hmm. document. Um, and to that point, I think uh, mm. sometimes I would use, like Zach, Pastor Zach and I are not, um, we're not PhD theologians by any stretch, and um, we're, we're pastors of at a local church, um, but that does give us certain um, insights into these sorts of theological matters. We are professionals, I guess you might say, um, in the same way that when somebody has a complicated issue with their car, they would take it to a professional mechanic. When somebody has, you know, some a sore knee, they would go to, uh, you know, the the doctor and they would get an MRI. The doctor can look at the MRI and see very quickly if there's something wrong that needs surgery or if it's just an inflammation that will go away. Um, professionals have an eye with expertise towards certain things, and so Pastor Zach and I. We study the Bible every day. We teach the Bible. Um, really, is is really what we want to do in our in our life and in our ministry, in our homes, and wherever we go. And so, 
Um, part of the reason we're doing this podcast episode is because this is a document with, like we said, some some very good things, mm-hmm. but but a document where where we as uh, pastors can look at it and say, whoa, 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 there's this these few things that are very concerning, and so let's pay close attention to that. Um, not setting ourselves up over listeners or lay people, but I think that it would be likely that if a lay person read through this document, they would maybe be confused or uh, maybe pulled astray a little bit at different points in it. So we, we want to help people um, discern what this really says. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a good way to, to say it too. What does it really say and what, what does it not say? Uh, I think yeah. there's a lot of clarity that could be important for even for our listeners who maybe if this is your first time hearing about this document and this development and from the church of Rome, uh, you may be wondering, wait, what, what does this say? What exactly is going on here? Is Pope Francis just giving a carte blanche sort of approval of, of all of this? No, he's not. The Vatican is not. This is not a time either for Protestants then to jump up with joy and say, ha, look, (laughs) Rome, you've, you've fallen. (laughs) Uh, I don't think that that's true. That would be not only inflammatory, but also just a falsity. Uh, But it does give some statements that are, I think, concerning, particularly of how it talks about blessing same-sex couples in quote-unquote irregular situations. I mean, even that terminology that it uses here, irregular situation or an irregular union, uh, is to really euphemize, I think, the seriousness of sin. Nowhere in this document, at least not that I could tell, was there any any mention of the need for repentance. Maybe there's a, a blessing needed for those in the, these kinds of irregular unions that they need the blessing of God's kindness, which leads to repentance. But I don't see anything like that mentioned here. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of gymnastics that have to be done in order to explain that a blessing can happen. But, you know, in reading this document, I'm still not entirely clear as to what a blessing would look like, uh, what a blessing would mean. I do think that there, this runs a huge risk of just simply appearing that a Roman Catholic priest seems to be giving approval, spiritual approval, to these kinds of unions and that mm-hmm. does not look good that is not that is that is not a good thing even for me as a protestant pastor uh, one thing i mentioned in my sermon this past sunday was an article by carl truman who is a host of uh, the mortification of spin podcast but he's also sort of a public intellectual mm-hmm. i forget sort of all of his credentials he's at grove uh, city college grove the- city college he works for some other think tank. He writes for First Things, yeah. uh, which is a Roman Catholic blog, by the way. And on First Things, he wrote an article uh, where he simply warned of how this was going to affect Protestants, which for me is is far more interesting. I'll let Roman Catholics try to discuss and debate the real meaning of this document. They have far more, uh, I, I don't know, skin in the game, you might say, than, than we do. Uh, and not, not that this is not our problem. I think very much it is. Uh, I think as Protestants, this will this will affect us. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, his article there in First Things, which maybe we'll put in the description of the show notes, uh, is, I think it sounds a, a good alarm 
Uh, I don't think he sees in this the complete capitulation of the Roman Catholic Church. I just think he sees that most of our world in the Western world will see this as a step in the quote-unquote right direction, uh, and they will give approval to this. They will think, hey, look, the Roman Catholic Church is starting to turn around. You know, it's this old big ship, and ships don't turn on a dime. It takes time, but this is the, this is a sign that the Roman Catholic Church is is starting to give approval to the LGBTQ community, and so, hey, well, let's applaud this. Let's get excited about this. And if the Roman Catholic Church of all churches can do this, then all you different Christians who are Protestants, you should be able to do this too. I, I think it's true, as he argues in that article, that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has in some ways provided a large umbrella uh, for mm-hmm. for conservative Christianity and that Protestants, whether they like it or not, or will, whether they'll admit it or not, uh, sort of live in the wake of this and, and they, they live with the blessing of this. The Roman Catholic Church is, is in many ways in the present world an ally even to conservative Protestants who may have lots of debates with with Catholics about justification and imputation and the sacraments and things like transubstantiation or baptismal regeneration and so on. But the world sees us as all on the same team. Mm-hmm. And this is going to mean things for us. I think the cultural pressure that already exists is now going to be seriously increased, uh, seriously. Uh, and I, I think that it's interesting. I, I, I heard a uh, Roman Catholic layman, former Anglican priest uh, named Gavin Ashenden, write that while this may alleviate some of, of the pressure for the Roman Catholic Church coming from the left, it's going to it's going to make the, the the left a little bit more appreciative of the Roman Catholic Church because it seems to be doing something nice uh, for same-sex attracted persons. What it's also going to do is going to create even far more pressure and difficulty for priests who want to con- continue being traditional mm-hmm. and holding to the faithful Catholic position on this that has been held down through the ages. And I think that that was well put. Uh, while this seems nice on one hand, it's actually really uncaring and unnice, <laughs> not nice for mm-hmm. for those who seek to hold the position that this whole document seems to be a sort of slightly uh, revising. Uh, and so that is something I, I think is serious to consider for, for Protestants, that uh, this will cause more pressure to increase in our world. Yeah, the main issue with the document itself has to do with conflation, I would say, of of two different ideas. So one uh, idea, which is certainly a biblical notion, is that the person who seeks a blessing from God in humility um, would receive some some blessing from God. Um, That's Mm -hmm. through prayer, through through the church. Um, So there are various points in the document that, that talk about how um, it's, it's a good thing to bless those who come to the church seeking a blessing. Um, but where, where, so that is true, and that is then conflated in the document to a couple that comes to the, the church, to a priest, seeking a blessing on their relationship. Um, and so it's, it's very clear that, that 
that conflation is is happening and it's sort of leveraged i would say um, not not in any kind of sinister way but mm-hmm. um that's where the problem arises so um we could use a different illustration to to show the error in that i i think if 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 a a, a man who uh, commits sexual sin comes to a priest for a blessing of course um he would need to repent and mm-hmm. um would ask that that the that the uh the priest would would pray for him would mm-hmm. give him strength to say no to temptation and so which forth. does happen in the confessionals um, right exactly bless me father for i have sinned and that's that's the mission of the church in a lot of ways is to yeah. help people uh to um to be forgiven to to, mm-hmm. to give the um the means of grace um but if if that same man in uh, his his sin is, is is that that particular sin for him is going to see a prostitute, if you would then bring him and the prostitute go into the church seeking a blessing as a couple mm-hmm. <laughs> or as an entity that is together, uh, the priest would rightly say, "No, I can't bless mm-hmm. this relationship mm-hmm. because." We're, now we're we're not talking about an individual per se, but a, two people who come in a relational context, and the priest yeah. would say, "Stop doing what you're doing because this is sinful." Yeah. Um, How can I bless you as a couple? Exactly. When exactly. what you're when your very coupling is a sinful thing. Right, and so um, according to the, the recent work of the Christian Reformed Church, um, it's ended 2022. Those things are on the same level um mm-hmm. sexual sin includes of course uh, prostitution uh, the use of pornography and homosexual activity and so um where where it would be good that someone from a same-sex relationship would go to the church seeking a blessing mm-hmm. um and the church would say repent mm-hmm. and believe in Christ and uh, receive life through in Jesus' name, um, when they come as a couple, the church mm-hmm. ought not bless the couple in, yeah. in their activity. Yeah, one Roman Catholic might say, not, not any particular person, but just a theoretical person may say uh, that, well, what if a same-sex couple comes to the priest and they know that same-sex uh, sexual relations are wrong and they want the, the priest to bless them as a couple to stay faithful to their to their vow of celibacy, let's say. Uh, I, w- I would just simply ask, why are they coming as a couple to do something that is clearly going to, uh, that should be, a means towards dissolving their very status as a couple. Why, do, why don't they come as individuals for to receive that blessing uh, so that they may remain an individual, not in a irregular situation or irregular union as a couple? It just, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know why a same-sex person's couldn't come forward individually for these kinds of blessings. Why must they come forward for a blessing as a couple, uh, yeah. something just doesn't s- seem right about that. Uh, it seems fundamentally wrong. Uh, well, and there's, and there's something in the culture that is is actually evident in this document, which is yeah, I the, think so. The culture says this just happens, you know. Yeah, it's uh, just men, a thing. Men uh, 
fall it's in love reality. with each other. And this is just sort of part of reality. And right. the couple, again, and if we want to be really specific, and, and Article 38 refers to the blessing of a couple in an irregular situation. Um, that That's just kind of like recognizing the regular thing is that mm-hmm. men and women would be in a couple. I guess it's a little bit irregular that two men would be mm-hmm. in a couple together, uh, mm-hmm. in, in a relationship together. That really soft pedals the, the irregularity the, of it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the seriousness of the situation. Um, right. But that's what our culture does too. This is just kind of how things are in some people's yeah. life. And what if those people happen to be Roman Catholic, and then there they are in a church, and then they, yeah. the, the priest walks by, hey, uh, Father, would you would you bless us? That's mm-hmm. kind of very much how the document reads overall. Yeah. Instead they, of um, instead of saying this is a sinful relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's definitely even a difference of degree in a same-sex couple versus a couple that is living together, but heterosexual. Let's say that they're not married, but they're living together and they are sexually active. Uh, can that relationship be amended in a way that is in line with God's will? Yes, it can be. Uh, the couple can repent. They can maybe move out for a time and then pursue marriage and to make things legitimate. That it would no longer be irregular. But a, a same-sex couple can in no way be seen in the eyes of the Christian faith and of the scriptures and of God as regular. It cannot be regularized at all. It's an impossibility. And that's even part of the conundrum for Roman Catholic apologists who are having to explain this is that that terminology I think is so flawed that I think it's leading many to tie themselves up in knots and they have to have very interesting, mm-hmm. intricate ways of of trying to explain this and to make this fit. Uh, it has to be molded and shaped according to what most Catholics will call a hermeneutic of continuity uh, in order to, to sort of make sense. But I, I just think that the language is so bad that that's really hard to do. Yeah. And I think this puts them in a tight spot because, of course, this is maybe my Protestantism speaking out here, uh, the Roman Catholic Church can't can't fail it's infallible they say and so they have to come up with ways that can explain even these kinds of statements away Mm -hmm. and to make them fit with what's gone before Uh, the roman catholic church cannot really admit error when it speaks uh, in means like this with the pope and the magisterium now i know that this is not ex cathedra sort of stuff here so that they they could potentially come out with another statement that sort of clarifies and tries to make its amends but it really can't say that what it said here is wrong uh, as far as i understand it and so there's just a lot of knots that come yeah. from this and things get really tangled and messy uh in situations like this because of the I think really bad language and maybe just another thing I'll add is that this kind of came out as far as I understand it from most Catholic commentators I've listened to this came out kind of out of nowhere Uh, it wasn't something that was uh, put to the bishops around the world for them to consent to and to uh, to revise and make edits to this kind of just came from the Roman Catholic Curia the Cardinals and the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith uh, which is sort of a special group of teachers, I'm assuming. I don't know even what that language means, to be honest with you. So I speak of some ignorance here. Uh, but 
many people have said that or that the the pope has been pushing over his his tenure you might say for more of a synodical kind of uh, hmm. decentralized sort of thing and this kind of came down as uh, what do you call the political move the uh, executive order yeah, uh, yeah. kind of just came out of nowhere uh, it's just now being put out to the faithful uh, and it seemed seeming to go against his own sort of calls for that delegational decentralized authority sort of thing which i mm. think is is interesting and must feel very uh shocking and disappointing if you are a traditional or classical catholic it, it kind of makes sense in a way given the the hierarchical structure of the roman catholic church because yeah if you want a leader um well then the leader may at times lead Mm-hmm. In a direction that yeah. that yeah. maybe scriptures or the the general body does not want to go, so mm-hmm. that's what we have a case of here, where the leader is leading, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's not good leadership, but uh, it is a leader. So um, yeah. with that comes, you know, uh, blessings and curses. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so um, uh, one thing I want to touch on too is is how it will be read, how it will be understood. You mentioned a little bit of that already, Zach, that as pastors, we need to be aware of how how people will perceive what we're saying. Um, For example, if I I preach in a sermon about um, how the husband is the head of of the wife and of the family, um, I, I have to say that knowing it's going to be misunderstood by a good number of people who think that means when dad gets home from work, well, first of all, dad goes to work, mom doesn't, is what mm-hmm. that means. And um, when d- dad gets home from work, he can kick his feet up on the coffee table and expect that dinner will be served at 5.30. Yeah. You know, that that the woman is almost at the beck and call of yeah. of the husband. She serves him, um, you know, when, gets very little from this relationship in return. Mm-hmm. That is how some people will understand that instruction and so i've got to in a sermon that would include that that teaching say here's what that does not mean and let's be really particular and specific and aware of what it means Mm -hmm. that the husband is the is the head of the household and what that does not mean in our culture Mm -hmm. and so it seems like the pope actually hasn't done enough of that in a document like this where um, some of that is in the document to be fair this does not mean that mm-hmm. um, that two men could be married in a Roman Catholic church. He's clear about that. But right. I think the, even within that, you have to be aware that people aren't going to read the document. They're just going mm-hmm. to hear the commentary about it, and they're going to hear that Roman Catholic priests may now bless same-sex couples. And... Mm-hmm let's be realistic that that will be understood as mm-hmm. okay roman catholic priests can be good with this now yeah um this this um setup now so which makes you wonder if this is something that could have been done all along as it's being argued then why did some kind of declaration need to come out right why yeah. why even say it if it was always okay to to bless same sex couples in this particular way which is still kind of vague why do I need a 45 article document that explains the ins and outs of that? Uh, 
I think that maybe leads into the whole issue with the German Catholic Church and how there are many bishops there that are pushing for the affirmation of the LGBTQ sort of vision and how this is in some ways a kind of bridge or a stepping stone into helping them come back without breaking into formal schism. Mm. Uh, That may be true, but this also then seems like a sort of a negotiation with terrorists sort of thing. Uh, Why are we trying to ameliorate uh, a part of the church that is clearly uh, rupturing from traditional Catholicism? Why not discipline that church? Why not get involved in a way that will, maybe it may cost the Roman Catholic church, but why are they making compromises then with, with them? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, but I, again, I'm a Protestant, so I, I won't worry too much about that sort of stuff. That's in-house debates for Roman Catholics to, to have. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's just not careful. And I think there's, there's yeah, times yeah. where as, as pastors, we, we've run into situations where we've been, we, we've realized we weren't careful enough in saying something and mm-hmm. we could have been more careful and, uh, this isn't to say that we just always need to be walking on eggshells all of the time, uh, but we do need to be to be pastorally sensitive, and sometimes pastoral sensitivity means to be speaking with great clarity, uh, being able to answer yeah. tough questions with yes or no, uh, and I think that that's part of the issue here. Uh, perhaps the the document you could argue does speak with this kind of clarity. Uh, I just I guess I'm not convinced myself subjectively that it does. That's a great point. And even as I, I start to close, I mean, people would maybe wonder, okay, is, is this thing, is it okay actually, but it's just not as clear as it could be? Or is this document really a problem? And I, I would go with the, the second option. Yeah, I, I lean that, in that direction myself. That it is, that it is a, a problem that, um, again, uh, that two people as a couple could mm-hmm. be coming to to me as a pastor to you as a pastor and say will you bless our relationship yeah no i cannot do that yeah. um and so clarity sometimes will sound stark to our very nuanced very qualified culture um but as ministers who will give an account of the those that we shepherd um we have to point them to the truth Mm-hmm. and to what God's word says is good and to be really serious about that. I think that's that's my biggest mm-hmm. critique of the document itself. It is not serious about the sin of homosexuality. It's yeah. just not serious about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It and, does a great service in terms of helping us think about blessings, but right. it doesn't help us think about sin right. and what's really at stake. It seems very much to downplay that. And yeah, and so uh it's a reflection of the culture again that is not only not serious about homosexual activity but it encourages it mm-hmm. and so um that would overall be my critique of it that in a recognizing that north european and western culture um applauds this activity mm-hmm. we the the pontificate should have recognized that it, it will be understood in this way and should have been far clearer about the the sinfulness of the activity the the extension of grace that is offered to any person who repents which is what i think our human Hmm. sexuality report did very well doesn't give very much attention 
but the the offer of the gospel is for every person hmm. and um and so we should be clear about that we want every person to come to faith in christ and to be a a full member in good standing of a christian reformed church yeah um but with that must also come repentance from anything that the bible calls sin so mm-hmm. um this this document very much uh, leaves a lot wanting yeah. in, in that regard and you would expect more from the leader of such a yeah. big church yeah and so yeah there's a lot more that i'm sure we, we <laughs> could have said or con- could continue to be saying but i think that this is a good place to end it for now Uh, Just thinking about what this means for the history of the church, uh, not just the Roman Catholic Church, but Mm -hmm. us as well. Uh, I I think it's something that we should be thinking about. It's it's big news. Uh, I think I I think if you're wanting to learn more about it, even from the perspective of Roman Catholics, a good resource would be uh, Paul Vanderclay's episode that he did with two Roman Catholics a couple uh, weeks ago, maybe last week. Uh, with two different Catholic guests on his show. You can find that on his podcast or on his YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, I think for now we'll we'll sign off yep. and we'll end with a blessing of grace and peace be with you all. All right, bye. Bye, guys. Bye.